everyone. Welcome to the Pinkin YouTube channel. Given Norwich City are back in the championship now, I thought who better to get to speak about the division and also preview Norwich City's chances than to... I'm, I'm going to label you both as EFL gurus. I hope that's okay, just for the next uh, 45 minutes or so. I'm sure you'll you'll indulge no less. Um, Benjamin Bloom, who's... Uh, who's decided to go with a, an Ipswich Town scarf behind him, which um, I, I think is probably best to get out in the open straight away. Um, and, and Gabriel Sutton, who hasn't committed to his, uh, showing his, his allegiance on camera, which is absolutely fine. Uh, guys, how, how are you both? It's, it's, it feels like, well, it's been probably a year, really, since we, uh, since we caught up with you. Um, you can call Gab an EFL guru. He's got that knowledge. I'll just go by championship guru. And I'd, I'd like to also out Gab as an Ipswich Town fan. Now he's been an Ipswich <laughs> fan all his life. He's there He's there all the time. He's just not got his scarf up. Yeah, I do, I do love those boys in blue for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think people will be able to probably guess... Well, they might narrow it down to a few clubs on your accent, um, maybe. But but we shall see. Anyway, no, it's actually... I don't actually think I've got an accent because I am from Birmingham, but I don't have a Birmingham accent, which most people say. So that's a funny thing, really. Yeah, well, I, I, I often, I, I've also, I often get told I have sort of a, a twinge of Norfolk. There's Norfolk every so often, um, but beyond that, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty clear, which uh, is probably quite a relief. Um, anyway, guys, I thought we'd, we'd catch up with you. Norwich City obviously got relegated last season from, from the Premier League. Um, some fans will be quite happy they're back in the championship some guys uh, or some supporters won't be particularly pleased I think every fan wants to see their club compete at the highest level don't they but I think I wanted to start really with you guys by talking about what Norwich City have missed and what Norwich City fans have missed from the championship because it's been an eventful year I think for football and, and, and the world generally but the championship always does seem to be dramatic I think we saw that from the final day but when you're in the Premier League, and I think this is this is probably the only time you realise it, you, you perhaps see how little coverage the Championship gets, certainly in terms of the, the mainstream media, which is which is why you guys are, are so important in what you do, I think, to, to the supporters in those divisions. Um, and, and Stuart Weber put it bluntly as well when he said when you're in the Premier League, it's, it, or it's only when you're in the Premier League you realise how little people care about the Championship. So first of all, I'll ask you sort of a, a double-edged question. First and foremost, what have Norwich City fans missed from the championship last season and equally why do you both love the division so much we'll start with Ben um what they missed last season lots of the normal stuff I always call it like the, the Premier League is like a beautiful flat race horse race you know the sleek best horse wins and the championship is like the grand national with three meter jumps you have to do two laps of it just complete insanity. Um, what was very much different last season was the last time Norwich were here, there were three very good teams, um, Norwich, Sheffield United and Leeds, and whipping boys at the bottom of the table with Ipswich and um, Rotherham and Bolton. We had a nice stretched elongated table, how you would imagine it. This season, no, not at all. Um, Leeds were excellent and won by 10 points in the end. Then you had West Brom, who had a very good manager and parachute payments. Then you had Fulham and Brentford, who were kind of good, but working towards being very good. And then you had this insanity at the bottom of the table with Luton and Barnsley and Wigan, who ended up going down through an FFP deduction, scoring just way, way more points than normal. You had a massively squashed up table and Swansea, if they'd won the playoffs, would have been the lowest joint ever lowest scoring uh, point scoring team to win the playoffs. So 
it was very much more squashed up, less quality at the top in terms of numbers of teams scoring a good number of points, much more quality down at the bottom. Hull were eighth at the turn of the year and uh, went on a horrendous run and got relegated. And uh, we will out Gab because his team looked completely safe under any other year and ended up just kind of two team, two places off the bottom, uh, above the line um, in terms of Birmingham. So, yeah, what I would say, normal chaos, but very much more squashed up rather than a stretched out table that you normally get. I don't know what your thought would be, Gab. Yeah, I'd agree. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, 12-13 season when um, uh, basically the second half of the season, like the bottom half teams were pretty much in better form than the top half teams. And I think what you had for much last season was basically the top five, I would say, looked pretty stable. And then there was always that question mark of whether uh, which team's going to snap that big spot. And in the end, actually, it was uh, Nottingham Forest who dropped out because they were very poor after the restart. And even really since beating Leeds 2-0, they've kind of dropped off and, and probably took, they didn't really fight for a playoff spot in the same way that Cardiff were doing and I suppose Swansea were doing. But yeah, in terms of the outside players contenders, there are a lot of question marks about all those teams uh, and a lot of positive traits to a lot of the teams competing for relegate against, uh, against relegation. So yeah, it's a really interesting league last, um, last season. And, um, and I suppose the evenness in quality where you don't really know what you're going to get in every game something I absolutely love about that division. Was, was there any, I, I know that there's, there's been sort of a few overarching narratives, I guess, or, or tactical trends from, from teams. Was, was, did you spot any of that last season? Obviously, Leeds are very dominant and we know they like to play an expansive game of football, but were there any, any teams that perhaps approach things with a slightly different tactical view or, or, or outlook on, in, in terms of the way they went about it and had real success with it? Um, I think that plays into my previous answer, Connor, in that um, Norwich, Sheffield United and Leeds were all, in terms of pattern of play, really, really good the previous season. And um, Aston Villa were as well, but I think the um, financial stuff has kind of intimated to us the main reason why they ended up sort of getting over the line there. What I will say this season, here comes Gareth Ainsworth, here comes back Paul Warren. We've got Neil Warnock at Middlesbrough. We've got Mick McCarthy and Chris Hewton sitting waiting for jobs. Um, so your transition might be that there might be a few teams that are quite sort of narky to play against. Gab won't mind me saying I talk Aranka's in as well. He's a hard manager to play against. So is Sabri Lamucci for Nottingham Forest. I mean, we, we normally had this conundrum of, oh, this kind of moral nonsense thing of, um, well, if you pass the ball, that's better. Well, no, not really. If you just, if you win, <laughs> you'll finish higher up than if you lose. So we might get um, a few more teams that set up to be hard to beat. Neil Harris, Gary Rower. Actually, that's a good, good number of managers who are going to make it a little bit harder, I think, for teams like Norwich, Bournemouth, um, probably going to try and play some um, passing football. Neil Warnock, of course, back in the in the division with Middlesbrough. So you've you've got to, I think, put them into contention as well. I'll, I'll ask you for your, for your perhaps outside bet for this season, um, which is probably tough to do with the stage we are in terms of recruitment. So we'll we'll probably let you off a little bit if you if you get it Bradley wrong and uh, have egg on your face in May. Um, Gab, I, I wanted to ask a general point, and again, this is this is both of you in terms of the point I made earlier about coverage obviously you guys cover the I mean Gab covers the EFL uh, Ben you're, you're predominantly the championship what, what do you make of perhaps the coverage that the league gets because it kind of felt 
to me. And, and I think the last day of the season showed it in the championship where it was fairly mainstream and you turned on the radio and it was all there. But beyond that, I mean, it was it was kind of um, certainly from from Norwich's perspective, when, when you're out of the division, it kind of feels like you lose all knowledge of it within a couple of months. Do you think it gets the coverage that it, that it deserves as, as a division, I guess? Well, personally, I don't see my job um, to be uh, outing other radio stations and other pundits and other people who cover football. I see it as to provide something different. So uh, I, I'm kind of a beneficiary, I suppose, of the fact that there isn't um, much coverage of the championship. Because if all the famous ex-footballers and big radio stations were covering it, I would be in the position I am at the moment. So um, I think, yes, it probably doesn't get much coverage in the mainstream um, newspapers and websites and, and media and things like that. Um, but I think, yeah, also at the same time, it's a great opportunity for sort of up and coming journalists and pundits and podcasters to really make a name for themselves because I think there's, um, I think there's more uh, responsibility if you're going to talk on the EFL to actually do a bit of research and, and have an idea of, of, I suppose, what you're talking about. And um, and I think it's great that there's new people coming into um, coverage of the EFL. Do you think we're likely to see more coverage of the championship, less coverage of the championship, or do you think it's just going to stay the same once once all this is over and, and fans are back in grounds, Ben? Um, I mean, I have a lot to say. Uh, Gab makes a good point in that, yes, we're quite lucky that we can sweep up a lot of eyeballs and business because other people are watching. Um, obviously, look, we all sat there very frustrated watching some just idiotic comments about Sheffield United at the start of last season when literally anyone who knew the slightest thing about the EFL were fully understanding of what a superb team Sheffield United were. And, you know, I, I, I think some of the pundits still thought it was Warnock in 2007 that was yeah. with them. Um, obviously, we've lost Villa and we've lost Leeds over the last couple of seasons. Um, in terms of big clubs... yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily like the term, but in terms of clubs that if they do something, lots of people are interested. Um, you take Leeds out and it's massive and we lost Villa. Obviously, Norwich coming back down is a well-supported um, and really a, a giant in, t in championship terms, given the amount of promotions that um, they've had out of there. So we've still got Sheffield Wednesday it, with their minus 12-point start, Forest and Derby down here. Um, I think it's I think it's fantastic. We get a little bit overprotective, and I'm, I'm sure Gab was a little bit sitting there like me on the last day when um, when you know you got that five goal swing and three point swing within 30 minutes of the end of the season between Swansea and you got um, you know West Brom in pole position, and then Eze saunters through and chips it over the keeper, and and we're like. We know he's brilliant. We've been watching him for the last two years, but I think it's easy to be a bit snobby about that. We're, we're very proud of, um, of some of the players, and um, I suppose it's nice when people dip in on, on the last day, but you know as soon as the Champions League comes on, Connor, they're going to be they're going to be off. So it's, it's our little home, and um, you know the, the more the merrier, but like Gab says, as, as long as they're listening to us, we're, <laughs> we're not worried. Yeah, that's very true. And you, and you both do provide a, a, an excellent service. I'm sure Norwich fans will agree. And I'll get you to speak about um, sort of your stuff at, towards the end of it. Um, I'll, I'll put a Norwich City slant on this a, a little bit then. Are you pleased? And it's it's a slight Premier League question, so forgive me. But are, are you, are you, it's probably the last one. Um, 
but are, are you quite pleased with the way Norwich City approached it? The fact that they didn't throw, I mean, the money wasn't there anyway, but the fact they didn't throw a lot of money at it, the fact that they did stick largely with their EFL side. I mean, it was uh, at the opening night at Anfield, all 11 players were, were those who had played in the championship. And with hindsight, maybe they showed a little bit too loyal or too much loyalty to that squad. But is that something that you're pleased they did as people who cover the championship? Because it doesn't feel like that a lot of teams who get promoted do stick with the side that, that got them there. Sheffield United, I guess, are another example. They, they did largely, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think there's, um, there's a lot of faith. I think the club kind of approached um, the Premier League with quite a long-term um, uh, sort of lens, if you like, because I don't, I, you know, I listened to, uh, watched um, your interviews with Stuart Weber, and I don't get the impression he was saying we've got to stay up this season or it's a disaster, um, which I think teams like Fulham and deep like Aston Villa, who have spent um, 100 to 150 million on players, um, have done. So I think in that sense, I, I would also say though, although you have been loyal to the squad in the main, there's people there like um, like Onal Fernandez, who I think would have made quite a big had he been able to play more. I'm not sure whether Emmett injury sort of affects him, but um, I think you can't underestimate his importance in that title season just because you have the technical players like uh, the Grand Pitchers and, uh, and the Brandiers and people like that. But I think Hernandez, just his ability to kind of run quickly, even in tight spaces and, and create that half yard for other players around him was pretty valuable. And maybe you missed that a little bit last Rod Campbell seems like a slightly better Mm, well, what do, you, what do you make of, of Norwich as, as they come down, Ben? How, how do you assess sort of the, the state that they're in? Because they've got a lot of young assets who, and, and we've seen with all the Jamal Lewis speculation in, in the last 24 hours and we're recording this on, on Friday. So goodness knows it, it could have changed even more by the time this, this uh, gets released. Um, what, what do you make of the state they're in? Because it, it feels like certainly internally they, they feel like they're in quite a healthy uh, position. Um, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, aren't you? Like Wolves go up, lose 52 million quid. Um, they're, they're wrong to do that. Villa did it on loans in the same way Fulham and Leeds, you know, the Helder Costa and Jack Harrison, Ilan Meslier were loans. Aston Villa, um, Tyrone Mings, Axel Tuanzebe, Tammy Abraham, and in Fulham this season, Knockhart, Bobby Reed, and Cavaliero. They all go up with loans and then have to replace their team, and then they're criticised as well. Norwich don't take loans, invest well, and don't spend, and they're criticised as well. So basically, um, all of the teams that sort of gone up, Brighton got criticised for breaching FFP. Everyone just seems to have a go at these teams um, when they go up. Um, the truth is, we'll, we'll never know, they're, they're, you know, because Norwich did what they did, and they did it the way they did it. And um, all I will say is... Um, they come down in a darn sight stronger position, you know, to completely 180 from where they were with, um, you know, at the end of Daniel Farker's first season. So we'll, we'll never know. There'll always be an argument to say, oh, if, if this player had come or that player and if they'd spent this money, um, uh, the proof's in the pudding. If they score 95 points again this season, everyone will say, you know, well done, Mr. Weber. Very, very clever. Um, if they're ninth in the league, and you know, like we said, the league is predominantly pragmatic teams at, at the top of the table. Everyone will say, "Oh, you know, they should have spent some money." So I, I think people are very, very hostile to promoted teams, and they're very happy to be wise after the event. Um, and 
I don't think we should be criticising a club that has sorted out their finances, um, got promoted and not gambled and are now in a very strong position whereby only some very poor operational decisions now would mean they would be anywhere outside the top three or four. So, um, <laughs> proof's in the pudding, but I think it'd be a bit churlish to, to criticise them personally. I'd just like to pick up on the, on Ben's point there. I, I'm not quite sure that I agree that um, Mark would have to make a lot of really bad decisions to be outside the top three or four, because I think if you look at the signings they've made, there tends to be a pretty young profile. I think Jacob Sorensen, who got from Scandinavia, seems to have got some pretty good reviews. He seems like a pretty complete uh, number six type player. But I think a lot of the other signings that you've made, uh, Ballymumba, for example, I think would be great pieces of business for long term spec. I wouldn't necessarily be confident in saying, yes, those are the type of players definitely going to get Norwich into the top six. So I think I've got a feeling that if Norwich are in the seventh, tenth um, range for much of the season and playing good football and, um, and being the best team in a lot of games, I still think that the will see it as yes we're sort of getting towards where we want to go so um, I don't know how strong the expectation is from a short term on a moment disagree on and um, can I just qualify what I would class as a bad operational decision Gab as in firing your manager or um, selling maybe three of the wrong players at the wrong price if you know what I mean that's what okay. I would yeah. that's what I would class as a it's a very bad operational decision, but I, I take your point. Norwich, Norwich are in a, a, an interesting position because we can talk about all the good work they've done financially. They, they opted to use the, the Premier League money to invest in the training ground and improve facilities there. And um, uh, you, you guys probably haven't been to Colney, but it's chalk and cheese compared to last season where it's predominantly porter cabins. Now they've got two lovely new buildings and it, it feels much more professional um, and, and it, it looks a lot better as well. But actually, they're, they're coming down on the back of 10 straight Premier League defeats, 21 points, and a side with a losing mentality. So it's, it's a difficult juggling act to, to sort of, um, well, to, to, to juggle, I guess. Um, how, how do you view where Norwich City are at the moment? Uh, because it's, it's difficult, perhaps, to compare them with Bournemouth in terms of certainly off the pitch. On it, it feels like they're in a little bit of freefall. So, how big is and how big a task is this now for Daniel Farker and Stuart Weber? And what can they learn, I guess, from other teams who, who have been relegated and who've been in, in, in freefall as well? Well, what I would say first is as we sit here right now, I'd much rather be a Norwich fan than a Bournemouth fan or a Watford fan on the basis my teams would, would actually have a manager um, in place. and be some way along some kind of plan. Um, what's an interesting point, and you'd know more about this than me, Connor, is um, would 10 straight defeats matter if half the team's going to be different and the expectation, like um, like we said, is, is going to be totally different? I know um, perhaps, I mean, perhaps a good comparison would be Huddersfield, who actually absolutely stunk out the, um, the Premier League in their last season. However... They then changed ownership and gave all the parachute payments to the new owner. And then look at the stability um, that Norwich... I know six players have come in and Gab rightly says that, well, we, we, we might not even see... Some of them might even just be loaned out again. We might not even see some of them on the pitch. But I've contended... I mean, it's a bit of a soundbite, but I've been asked the question a lot. I've contended that if any three out of Buendia, Pukki, Aarons, Farker and Weber are still there... 
Norwich should be in the, you know, maybe I'll be less harsh, the top four at least, let alone the, the, the top two. Um, so, and, and what I would say, Connor, is, is who's going to beat them? Um, if, if that's the case, I mean, obviously Brentford uh, improved year on year. Forest had a good season, but slipped down to seventh. Um, Derby, everyone expects to be a bit higher up with their younger players. Well, Preston, one player goes out and they improve kind of very, very slowly. But, you know, who, who finishes above these three relegated teams? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And this is, again, a point I wanted to get both of your opinions on in terms of the strength of the division that Norwich City are going into because there have been a, a few Norwich City supporters and I think it's probably the same for any club after they get relegated, right, where they they suddenly go from being a relatively small fish to, to quite a big fish, having, having played in the Premier League. You're, you're the team that everyone wants to beat, aren't you, I guess. How strong is, is the division that Norwich City are coming into? Because I think the perception is certainly amongst Norwich fans that the division probably isn't as strong as it was a couple of years ago. I'll come, to, I'll come to Gab first on that. Yeah, I think it depends how you define as strong. I think you're not going to be competing with a Newcastle or um, who sort of had far too much money spent for this couple and then Wolves who had both the internationals in that. And so I, I don't think there's going to necessarily be any standout teams. Um, I think um, Swansea have obviously lost their low knees um, and I don't necessarily know how sustainable that's going to be. They're going to need to make sure that the quality of their low knees stays the same because I think other than that their squad isn't necessarily that great and I think it was sort of Brewster and Gallagher coming in really early. So so I think that's quite a big factor and then there's other teams as well. Brentford I would um Brentford progressed year on year as as Ben have suggested and I would be very surprised if they're not in the top six. Other than that I think there's question marks over pretty much everyone in terms of the promotion picture. So I think in terms of the promotion picture, it could be a little bit weaker than recent years, but at the same time, I don't think there's any team that um, you'll be able to... That makes it really... From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Um, what, what do you what do you make of the the division that Norwich City are walking into? Obviously, lost Leeds, West Brom, and and Fulham uh, gained Norwich, Bournemouth, and, and Watford. Of course, lost Wigan and, and Hull, who have difficulty themselves. Charlton as well. You'd, you'd throw into that, but Coventry. I, I, I thought look, I, mean, I went to watch them last season to, to go and watch Sam McCallum. It was only for one game, but really liked what what they were trying to do with with the, with the three at the back. And then Rotherham and Wickham, who who I don't think anyone's going to enjoy playing against really. And you suggested we might see a bit more of a pragmatic division, but do you think it'll be as strong perhaps as as we've seen in, in recent years? I mean, you mentioned the three teams there. It's it's quite difficult, I guess, particularly with the the relegated teams. I think this year to pinpoint one that that perhaps stands out. Well, Gab made a really good point because we went into this season knowing that Leeds were going to be really good. We already knew that before anyone kicked the ball. Maybe we know that about Brentford, but then if you take out uh, Ben Rama, Rico Henry, I don't know, name one or other of about another seven of their excellent players that could um, could go out. Um, I always look at the parachute teams because they have that financial advantage. So you have got Stoke who have been just dreadful for 
two seasons. There is no way that they should be finishing anywhere near the bottom half of the table with the squad, with Bet365 and with a year three parachute payment. Huddersfield, I think possibly you can tick off because, you know, that money seems to be going to new owners, although expect them to go to Leeds now with Carlos Carver on for some loan players. And it's quite amusing when you ask Leeds fans, because I say, oh, they'll want um, Shackleton and Struich. And the Leeds fans say, oh, no, 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 they're going to be in the first team, Scott. And I'm like, no, they're, no, they're not. And they're not going to want your, your 17-year-olds, put it that way, if there's a deal being set up. Cardiff could be dangerous, um, but weight of expectation on Neil Harris. He's never, you know, he's never managed this high up with this expectation. I agree with Gab about Swansea. Um, their owners are not remotely interested in investing any money. And the real big, strong pattern there intimates to me that Swansea will finish lower than sixth place um, next season. So, yeah, very open. And I mean, Gab can smarten you up a bit more on Wickham, Rotherham and, and Coventry. But, you know, we've had this conversation many, many times when you're comparing, uh, I mean, even do it with substitute benches where you can probably pick one Watford, Norwich or Bournemouth player that could fund the entire Wickham first 11. And you see the mass... Particularly, you'll see with Wickham, um, uh, the mass disparity there. Um, Coventry could be, I think Coventry will be all right, actually, like you said, because they play, they play some good football. But um, look, we do, Connor, we do this every year. We, we make the relegated teams massive favourites. And then one of them's in the bottom three with 15 games gone or something. So um, who knows? Um, I, I have a quite, I'd be interested in Gav's thoughts. I have quite a liking for... Derby. I think Derby might sell Jaden Bogle, but keep uh, Sibley, Bird, Lowe, Whitaker, who you're going to hear all about, who are some excellent young players. And just on one other point, um, Gab mentioned Rian Brewster, who is the new Tammy Abraham now. Whichever club gets him on loan, well, they're going to have a good season, is what I would say. I, th- I think he'll go to the Premier League himself. Yeah, Abraham did, didn't he? He went to Swansea um, for a year and then came back down with Villa, but okay, I'll rephrase my point, Gab. If a championship club can get <laughs> Rian Brewster, then um, Kaching for a good season. I think there'll be um, a, a long queue for him and Mr. Van der Horn as well, which I'm sure you've been researching, Connor, for, with your Norwich hat on, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Um, or, or is particularly given that I, I think Norwich are probably in the market for a centre-back as well. He does seem to tick a lot of boxes, but whether they have the financial muscle or not, we'll see. I just want to pick up on a point you, you made there, Ben, in terms of the teams that have got relegated from the Premier League and have got it quite wrong. And, and we've seen a few... I mean, I was uh, looking at the bottom half of the Championship now. You've got Middlesbrough, QPR, Stoke. I mean, Wigan and, and Hull have obviously had their, their issues with, with ownership and, and whatnot. Um, but Huddersfield... Uh, Probably a bit harsh to chuck Swansea into that, given they finished sixth. But as you said there, they've, they've, they've had their, their issues as well. These are all clubs that have been in the Premier League fairly recently and have almost kind of plateaued in the Championship. What lessons do Norwich City need to learn from, from those clubs about how not to do it when, when, when they come back down? Let's, let's go to Gav first. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I think, um, I think it's really important that... Um, after relegation, there's a strong leadership in place. I don't think Huddersfield had that when they came down initially when they had Sievert and Hudson, who are both very inexperienced coaches, and actually Danny Cowley did a massive job for them just as 
um, that pragmatism, that sense of leadership. He's been um, a manager and brilliantly everywhere he's been in the lower leagues. Um, so I think that's a factor and I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, how, what we see from Daniel Farker because um, I was watching the TNC uh, video after Norwich City had just been relegated and now we're not going to, you know, I think Chris uh, Reeve was probably a bit sort of great at the time, which would be after you've just been relegated. And I think there's question marks over the leadership where Norwich City are losing and Daniel Farker is very composed on the touchline, he doesn't show his emotions. And that was the, in the interest of balance, that was the same in title winning season when um, a goal would go in and then Daniel Farker would kind of, you could see the emotion sort of in his, within him, but you could see that he was kind of holding it in kind of thing. Um, so he's, what he doesn't express his, his emotions, it's like he sort of he tries to stay on an even keel and um, just after a run of 10 straight defeats, um, I think the big question is, can he show the leadership qualities required? Can he get a reaction out of his players? That's something I'm really looking forward to seeing. Mm, so, so Gab said leadership. Ben, what, what, would, what would you throw into that? What do Norwich City need to not do now they've... Oh, I'm getting very excited and nodding along with Gab there. Here comes the soundbite. Owners relegate clubs, particularly from the Championship. So Huddersfield struggled well. They changed ownership, didn't they, and spent their parachutes there. West Brom, well, they um, ruthlessly sacked Darren Moore, spent three million quid a year on Slav and Bilic, and whoop de doo they're in the Premier League again. Stoke, when I talk about bad operational decisions, went with um, Gary Rowett, then with Nathan Jones for virtually a season of relegation form. Fortunately, overlapping two seasons there. So operationally, they get it, got it wrong. Swansea, um, I think Graham Potter and Steve Cooper and some good sales have bailed those American owners out of not investing any money. They don't care. Middlesbrough, again, operational. Um, Gary Monk for three months. And then, sadly, Tony Pulis, and it just didn't work for him. Um, Sunderland, need I say any more? Look where the hell they are. Hull, need I say any more? Um, what I'm saying is if you come down, and Gab's right, he uses the word leadership. If you come down with stable ownership and a plan and two years of parachute money, you should be looking okay. And the glaring, the glaring one is Stoke, isn't it? Where clever old me with my list of arguments doesn't have one for that <laughs> because it's, again, it was Gary Rower, um, like I said, Nathan Jones, and they should still be, be challenging. They're the ones that have kind of, and I suppose Middlesbrough to an extent, have kind of backed up the manager. And look, Sometimes you have an advantage and you don't use it and you, and you fail. And sometimes you come up against um, Chris Wilder, Daniel Farker and Marcelo Bielsa against you um, in one season, don't you? Um, and Dean Smith with Jack Grealish in midfield as well. So, um, and, and again, there's, a, there's another team that went down and nearly, nearly, I did, Villa, Villa I think personally is too big never to have anyone come in and bail them out. Someone's always going to do that. Yeah. But, um, you know... Uh, that's what, and I'm glad we came to it. That's what I was talking about in terms of bad operational decisions. What I should have said is cataclysmically stupid <laughs> <laughs> operational decisions, which Norwich are just not going to do. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, what, what you guys have said there will probably give Norwich fans some optimism, given that they essentially are, are, are entering back into the championship with the same sort of hierarchy, I guess, as, as they left it with, Daniel Farker and and Stuart Webber. I just wonder if we'll see 
uh, an evolution in terms of Norwich City, in terms of the style in, in, in which they play, given what we've seen. I mean, Sorensen, very physical player. Uh, Kieran Dano is not the most physical, but still six foot. Um, and, and we've seen, obviously, Marco Steepman in, in that 10 position as well. Um, recruitment is, is obviously key. Norwich City have, have proven that. If you don't have a lot of, of money, it's key you get the recruitment right. Um, I, I know... You guys probably aren't going to, uh, as, as is the rest of us, know too much about uh, Pueta or, or Sorensen, given that they've been playing in, in, in Denmark and Poland, respectively. But just on, on the domestic signings that No City have made, Ballymumba, Kieran Dow, um, Sam McCallum as well. What, probably a question for you, Gab, really. Um, th- those three players, uh, are you impressed that No City have assigned those players? I mean, Mumba and, and McCallum were probably speaking about potential, but... Kieran Dow, where, where do you see him fitting into Norwich City's uh, starting lineup? Yeah, uh, so Kieran Dowell, um, I think he made his debut at Everton a few years ago and produced a really good form. I think he might have been against yourselves actually when you were already relegated uh, on the final day, like probably. You know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, he's a re- anyway, he's a really energetic player. Um, he's kind of had some mixed playing spells. It's really well at Nottingham Forest. I think that was his first championship playing spell. One or two, like, struggles getting the Chelsea United side over people like Mark Duffy. And then um, Derby, I think, as well. Didn't do too much there. But then he's coming at Wigan. Uh, and he's a really energetic player. So he's going to uh, be one of the midfield three that's going to really sort of push up um, alongside and sometimes ahead of the main striker. But he can also strike a ball from range. So I'd be really excited about him. Ali Mumba, I'm not too sure about. Um, I don't necessarily know. I mean, he, he was thrust out as a midfielder. I think he's been playing right back to the 23s from the people I've spoken to, and that's where you've been planning for him. Um, I wouldn't necessarily hang my hat on him performing well at right back at this level every week, so that's one I'll have to sort of keep an eye out for. Um, but then there's Sam McCallum as well, who seems very similar stylistically to Jamal Lewis. So um, the the interesting thing as well, actually, is um, there's a little bit of digging on this Pichetta lad, and he seems like quite a a classic left winger in the sense that he's um, very quick, uh, and I think he is left-footed. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of system you go with um, Ethan as well. Um, So, yeah, my thoughts on signing. Yeah, Poeta's an interesting one because... He has a lot of pace. I, I spoke to a, a scout with the Polish FA when, when he signed and um, some of his records in terms of speed are, are incredible. We're, we're talking Usain Bolt level over, over about 30 metres, I think. Um, right. But just lightning quick. But some issues around sort of his, his technical proficiency, which perhaps you wouldn't associate with Norris City necessarily. And I, I just wonder... Given Norwich City will probably look to, well, they will look to dominate the ball again. I think the fundamentals of Daniel Farker's system will be the same. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how they slot in a, a rapid left winger um, into, into, a, into a side that is going to dominate the ball and, and probably have a lot of the ball inside their opponent's half. But that would be interesting to see. Um, ben, just, just coming to you, Norwich City, we saw them under Alex Neal. They opted for continuity, kept a lot of the squad, kept the manager last time. This season, it kind of feels like they, they've been given a choice of either you change the personnel or you change the manager. And it kind of feels like they're going down the route of, of changing the squad. Leitner, Tribal, um, two sort of key names in that championship title winning season who both have, have, have basically uh, been told they can, they can leave the club. Um, how important is it that Norwich City changed their mentality from one that was losing every week to a team that needs to win every week. And we've spoken about expectation. I think there probably will be expectation, certainly from the supporters on Norwich City this season. I think most will probably deem 
a top six, six finish, probably the bare minimum, to be completely honest. And if we think about that, those two seasons under Daniel Farker and Stuart Webber, they were both without expectation. So for me, mentality is going to be crucial this year. How do Norwich City and Daniel Farker switch a losing mentality into a winning one, Ben? Um, well, Norwich as a club and their fans are very comfortable with being in the championship. They know, that, as I said, that they're a championship giant. I mean, we're going to start to be looking at points and things. And I, I know they've now got the record for relegations, but you know they could very soon have the record for promotions as well. So um, maybe it suits Norwich to be at the top of the championship. Maybe it's easy, easier for them with their, with their size. And, um, you know, they've either had Premier League TV money or parachute money. And then ironically, the one year they don't have parachute money is, is the year that they then had the madcap season in 1819. Um, look, we all saw the pattern of play in 2018-19 it was unstoppable in the championship. So one would assume that if you can uh, develop that usage of the ball, that level of rotation, and I mean, let's be honest, it was all out attack. I mean, this and again, we talk about Premier League coverage. We all knew Norwich couldn't defend before they went up because they just attacked for the entire season, didn't they? You know, and had these sort of three very good young players who'd done about 20 minutes defending in their careers between the, between the three of them because they were attacking for the whole season, weren't they? So... Um, I, I do wonder whether this narrative we've talked about, uh, that, that it might come up against some harder nuts to crack this season in terms of, I don't know, Wickham at Carrow Road, where, you know, Wickham will take nil-nil and not get on the bus before, uh, you know, and, you know, stick some, stick some throw-ins and some, some corners in and be, be, be physical. No, nothing against that. You know, they've just got, just got promoted. Good, good luck to them. But one, one would think that that pattern of play should um, be absolutely fine, which is why I would find it absolutely befuddling to not have um, Daniel Farker there um, on the sidelines doing, doing the exact same thing. Um, really quickly, just on the, on the recruitment, I would, the only thing I would be worried about in terms of Norwich would be, would be the, the impact of the sales rather than the impact of the, of the signings because Stuart Weber has proved over and again he can tool up a team and get promoted out of the out of the championship. What we're going to find out is was the 18-19 predicated on a brilliant pattern of play, some brilliant players, or or a bit of both. Now Norwich fans will hope that it was pattern of play because um, possibly Buendia, the best player at Aaron's or Pukim, may not be there. If they got promoted on the basis of having three outstanding players down the right-hand side of their team who all played well all season and were incredible and all of a sudden they're gone and the sum of those parts or what have you then completely undermines the pattern of play, then, then is where, where you might get found out. But I suspect, as with most of these things, there's a grey area where it wasn't all Buendia and it wasn't all Farker and it was a good pattern of play with some very good players. But remember, you cannot take the best players out of a team and expect them to be just as good if you don't replace them with either, you know, equally good players in respect of the sum of the parts of the team or good individuals. This is, this is the question I was, I was going to come on to you both because Norwich obviously have five who will probably very, be very highly sought after this summer and that, that's their young talent, Max Ahrens, Jamal Lewis, 
Todd Cantwell, who, who we didn't see a lot of in the Championship, to be completely honest, but has completely excelled and, and probably surpassed everyone's expectations in the Premier League. Ben Godfrey and Emmy Buendia. Now, Norwich aren't going to sell all of those. They're probably, I, I think, uh, from from what we've gathered, that, that probably Aaron's and, and Buendia are, are probably the most likely to leave. Obviously, Jamal Lewis and the Liverpool links has, has, has thrown a spanner into the works a, a little bit. But you said there Norwich need to replace those players if, if they do go. If we're talking about three of those young players that do go, that's a hell of a lot of, um, of responsibility, I guess, to put onto the recruitment stuff, isn't it, Gab, to replace those, given that we know Norwich City won't go out and spend a lot of money? Yeah, but uh, I think um, it seems like you've, you've already rejuvenated the squad already. There's always been, I mean, the transfer business has been pretty swift. Um, I mean, even during, you know during the season, you brought Sinani in. I think uh, during the lockdown, um, and then a lot of players have come in straight after, even before the Man City game, where you finished. So um, I think from that point of view, they've had their eye. They've been very aware of what they're going to need going into the Championship, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how some of these players uh, come together. Interesting to see whether Timu Kuki stays as well, and whether you get um, another striker in. I think that's going to be quite a big issue. I know glimpses of Daniel um, Adam Ida um, after the um, restart and uh, he's looked pretty quick he's not probably strength but I wouldn't necessarily hang my hat on him starting every week so I think replacing Timo Pukki is going to be on all keeping Timo either way um, got to make sure that you do the right business in that um, attacking area sure yeah, Timu team, Puki is an interesting one. He's, he's probably not the Timu Puki that you remember. He hasn't scored a goal in open play since December. Um, he's obviously, uh, it, it feels like there are a few people questioning him now. He, he's obviously been on a bit of a goal drought. I don't think he scored since February, and that's a, that, that was a penalty against Tottenham uh, in, in, in the league. So it, it's it's a, a very different Timu Puki, but if, if one rebounds into his path, you, you never know. Um, ben, just in terms of those five players that, our clubs are going to want, and, and we've seen that with, with Liverpool and Jamal Lewis, and that saga rumbles on. Um, how do Norwich City get the balance between ensuring that if they do let some of those young players go, that those remaining at the club aren't then annoyed that they haven't been given the opportunity to move on as well? Because we've seen this with, with relegated teams in the past, and, and again, Norwich are probably a very good example of this in the past under Alex Neal, where players come down perhaps and, and their heart isn't quite in getting the club back up to the Premier League. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. It's something that can be got wrong, um, definitely, because even though Norwich do seem to be financially stable, um, they don't want to get into a situation where, for example, you've got players um, being linked with you know, Premier League champions or Atletico Madrid or whoever, and they're rejecting bids, and all of a sudden you've got players that want to leave and a club that's not wanting to sell them. And there's... There's, there's a point where you do say, okay, you know, what, what are we losing here? We get 20 million instead of 25 million. And, you know, we keep, we keep the dressing room and we keep everything working together properly. So that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, and I, I'm glad Gab mentioned Pookie as well, because, you know, Norwich don't get promoted in 18, 19 without Pookie, do they? He was, he was incredible, wasn't it? 29... 29 goals and Mitrovic got 26 and Watkins 25 this season. So nobody gets 30 goals in the in the championship um, anymore. I mean, Glenn Murray's done it and that's about it for the last probably, um, someone will fact check me on that, won't they? But probably about the last 15 years, I can only remember um, Glenn Murray getting up to that total. So um, 
It's, it's so tricky. I agree with you because um, I saw you at that Wigan game when you were getting promoted, Connor. And I remember watching Cantwell and I was totally wrong. I thought, oh, he's, you know, he'll get, they'll go up, he'll get loaned out to Derby like Kieran Dowell did um, pretty much. And, you know, he's been fantastic. So I think that's a bit of a bonus for Norwich, to be honest. And I've heard plenty of good arguments that Cantwell is probably more suited to playing in the Premier League than he actually is in the, in the Championship. So, oh, it... It, it never, all I'll say is it never works out the way you want it to. The, you, you probably think, oh, we just, just shift out Lewis and Godfrey, get a ton of money in and keep the others. never works out that way. That they, that they always want your best players and they always want to spend less than you want to receive to, to have them. I would just be worried if um, those pookie goals... Um, I mean, Buendia could probably play top six, top eight Premier League anyway, couldn't he? And... Aaron's just in terms of balance and creativity. And, you know, this was before Klopp's, well, at the same time as Klopp's Liverpool, but fullbacks being a massive part of the attacking plan. And um, I, I don't know what you guys think. I think Aaron's is way, way above. Um, I don't know, Lewis is a good player, but I think Aaron's is very, very good. So, um, yeah, um, can easily go wrong. But would you rather be sitting on these massive assets ready to cash in and having money to spend or hoping that James Madison's knee isn't too badly hurt so you can sell and, you know, not get relegated from the championship. So. All right, I'll ask you both a very quick question and then I'll ask you two more and then, and then we'll, be, uh, we'll be good. Um, out of those young players that we've spoken about, who, who do you think will hurt Norwich the most if they do depart? Let's, let's start with, with Gab. For me, I would say... Um, I. I'm, I'm torn between Buendia and Aaron's. I think with Godfrey, I think he probably, I don't think he's a season as a central midfielder, even though um, I saw him have a brilliant season at Shrewsbury in that position, but maybe not quite technical enough to be a number six for Parker. And as a centre-back, um, if you're talking Premier League level, I don't know if he's quite there. Um, Jamal Lewis as well, if I'm not mistaken, he had his injury issues last season and bit hit in this as well so I don't think either of the, you know I'd feel confident in finding a replacement for either of those players um, still think you need to strengthen in those positions anyway um, so I think it's, I'm going to have a cop out here and say somewhere between Aaron's and Wendy What about you Ben? Um, Wendy I think I think you have a player there at championship level where you know can you're not playing well can just win you the game can't he whereas you know, Pookie needs supply. Aaron's is a right back. Um, Godfrey's a defender. Lewis is a defender. And Cantwell needs stuff to run onto, doesn't he? So um, I, I think uh, Buendia, who, you, you know, we've seen Hernandez and Grealish in the, in the championship just, you know, just be too good for it and make a difference so often then. Um, I would say that, despite the fact you're all expecting to be without him anyway, aren't you? So... Um, I think that expectation's already been met, which is about half the battle, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it certainly is. Right, fi final couple then, and, and we'll, we'll try and make these um, relatively quick fire, although feel free to, to expand. Um, let, let's go for um, maybe, maybe a club who you think is, is like a, a one to watch, a dark horse in, in the race next season. Obviously, as I said at the top end of the show, it's very difficult to do it at this stage, given we don't know what the squads are going to look like. And... Um, Again, the, everything changes so quickly, doesn't it? And, and Bournemouth and Watford obviously haven't got managers. Um, but who, who do you think could upset the apple cart a little bit and, and maybe push for, for promotion? Gav, let's, let's start with you. 
Uh, well, I'm not going to make this an official prediction. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, I, I'm doing this later in the summer, so. Uh, but what I will say is I have got my eye on Millwall because uh, I like Gary Rowick. I know as a Birmingham fan, he's very good at organising teams, and he's certainly done that with Millwall. Um, they've kind of, they've, he settled on like a kind of 5-3-2-3 formation that, that's worked for him very well this season. We're thinking he might play four at the back a bit more next season in home games. But um, I just think he's kind of got balance, really, because he's, Defence has been very strong. We've got a good goalkeeper in Barkowski, uh, who Ben knows about. But I also think he's shown that ability to kind of adapt to the way he plays. And there's been a couple of games where he's actually played two technical midfielders in, in two in midfield, which wouldn't necessarily have associated with Rowett beforehand. So I think if you can keep that evolution, then maybe Millwall could um, upset the odds. But yeah, it all depends on, on who they can bring in. Off you go, Ben. Who's, who's your one to watch for, for the season coming up? Um, in terms of a dark horse, because you can't really call Brentford a Brentford a dark horse, <laughs> you can't call any of the parachute teams a dark horse. Um, if Bristol City get the right managerial hire, I think that's a really, really good job because their recruitment's been good and they've sold well. Um, Derby could have three good young players all improve at the same time, the same way Norwich did. I tell you who's going to be fun is Barnsley, and you guys won't have, you Norwich fans won't have seen Gerhard Struber and all the Austrian boys. They're going to, they're going to be a lot of fun. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. They could look, they could finish in the middle of the table and have zero goal difference, but score 75 and concede 75 or something like that. But I think they could be, um, they could be quite, quite interesting. And um, look, I had Forrest to do really well in the playoffs because I thought they had a really clever manager. But um, yeah, um, and Gab's Millwall shout is, is, is good. It seems, uh, seems to be the right match for, for Gary Routt. But of course, these are all dark horses compared to these, um, these relegated Premier League teams with parachute money. I think mine would be uh, would be Coventry, but then I'm I'm slightly biased given that, that Mark Robbins is the manager, I I, I guess. Um, let, let's let's finally sort of ask you to not not predict, but maybe um, outline how you think Norwich City could could do this season, knowing what we know at the moment, and, and obviously without the full picture in terms of in, in incomings and outgoings. Do you think this this could be a, a season where Norwich City do challenge, or do you actually anticipate it being a little bit more uh, or, or a little more difficult, I guess, than perhaps some supporters would would hope and probably think. And whoever wants to lead on that. Do you want to go first, Gab? Sure, yeah. Um, I know Norwich, I know you've said, Connor, that um, toxic is the minimum expectation. Uh, personally, I wouldn't necessarily quite look at it like that. I think that you'll be in the mix for promotion and in the mix for, uh, for the playoffs, but I, I don't, I'm not confident as such that you'll... Um, be sort of right up there among that top two. Um, I think it could be more of a playoff push than a North Western push. I see it at the moment, but that could all change depending on who you bring in and um, yeah, after that. So I think the, the rest of the recruitment could be telling and the outgoing as well. Ben, how, how do you see this season panning out for Norwich? I was just trying to scribble the team down really, really quickly. And I mean, you assume that Krill, Zimmerman, Hanley will all be retained. Byron McCallum might be, might well be the centre backs. You'd assume Sorensen has been signed to start in central midfield. And then, um, like, like Gab said, you want the Dow that was at Wigan, not the Dow that was at Derby. Um, I, 
I just think, I'll, I'll repeat it again, Pookie, Buendia, Aarons, can you keep one or two of those? I mean, look, if they kept all three of those, um, I'd say Norwich will score over 90 points and finish in the top two. But um, if all three of those go, then you start to look at the team and you think, oh, okay, you know, not, not, quite, not quite what it was. But, um, yeah, I, I disagree slightly with Gav. I think that they should be... Um, should be in that in that top six with with Farker and Weber um, there, but that might be me being an Ipswich fan, just loading loading it on. So I'm not disappointed <laughs> when they are there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, quite quite possibly. Jen, thank you very much for uh, for your time and, and and for your insight. Let's let's just finish off um, by letting people know where they can find you. And I'll put all your your links and stuff in in the description so they can find you. But um, Gab, first first and foremost, where where can people find your stuff if if, if they want to um, read or, or or view more of you? Sure. Um, yeah, you just uh, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore football lab, and on through that account I'll post sort of EFL tweets and also some articles about various websites. So at underscore football lab for me. And uh, Benjamin, I'm sure everyone's familiar with, with your work, but, but for those who, who haven't seen you before, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on YouTube. Just type Benjamin Bloom into YouTube. Um, bit of a weird time for me. I have no job now, thanks to COVID. So I'm really hammering YouTube. I'd love to be able to do this like um, you guys do, um, you know, sort of as a living. Um, so Patreon, um, if you want to support me financially, patreon.com slash Benjamin Bloom. If not, just go on YouTube and watch every single one of my videos and like every single one. But um, hopefully we'll be in the stadiums and I'll be at Norwich and I'm sure I'll be um, down at Birmingham watching either Coventry or Birmingham with Gav at some, with Gav at some point. But yes, um, it's, it's going to be great. Um, and welcome back, Norwich. Um, and it was it was fab last time. I had a really good rapport with... Um, all the Norwich fans. So, um, yeah, yeah, do come back. Just yeah, like I mean, to say, say as well, if I can, I think you do a fantastic job here on Instagram and I really enjoy reading your stuff. So, yeah, keep up the great work. Thank you, mate. And, and these two, of course, are, are, are both brilliant EFL contributors. They're, they're, you should check them out next season. They're definitely worth following and, and, and subscribing as Norwich try and navigate their way through the championship season, not just on Norwich, but also in, in Ben's case on the championship and on in, in, in Gab's case on the EFL, both um, both beacons of knowledge. So um, well worth checking them out. Guys, thank you very much for joining me. Um, maybe we'll do this again at, at, at some point. Um, thank you very much for watching. If you have liked the video, make sure to uh, leave a like and subscribe to the Pink and YouTube channel. And of course, if you are listening to this as a podcast, then leave us a review. Why not? Um, it would uh, it'd be great for me if you, if you, to hear from you. And of course, you can get in contact with us on all the usual um, channels. Pinkin.com, the place to go for the latest Norris City news. I think that's just about it, guys. Thank you very much. And we'll see you all again very, very soon.